0: Hello and welcome to the RSF Dark Archive podcast. I'm Inga Storey and with me is Kieran Swan. In this episode we talk to Linda Walker. Linda has been a political activist in Belfast since moving there from her native Sheffield in 1969. She's a long-standing member of the Communist Party of Ireland and served as national chairperson of the party from 2006 to 2017. She was active in Northern Ireland Civil Rights Association and was instrumental in founding the Northern Ireland Women's Rights Movement in 1975 and the establishment of Belfast Women's Centre. Linda is also an active trade unionist on Belfast Trades Council and representing the ICTU as a commissioner in the Equal Opportunities Commission. In the 1990s, she was a founding member of the Northern Ireland Women's Coalition and stood as a candidate for the coalition. In 2010, she helped form Reclaim the Agenda, a women's organisation committed to radical change. Linda's books include Living in an Armed Patriarchy, published in 2017, and the edited volumes, Madge Davison, A Revolutionary Firebrand in 2011, and Breaking the Chains, Selected Writings of James Connolly on Women in 2016. To discuss Linda's political activism in the Communist Party and the challenges of political activity during the Troubles, her work in civil rights and women's rights, and some of the international connections made as part of the women's movement, Linda's work in education and role in establishing the Women's Studies course in what is now the Belfast Met, the activity of the International Brigade's Commemoration Committee, and some of the publications she has been involved in. Thanks to everybody who's been listening and subscribing to the podcast so far. Uh, as ever, if you want to get in touch with us, you can do so via our website. You can find the Irish Left Archive at leftarchive.ie. You can email us at contact at leftarchive.ie or find us on Twitter at ie Left Archive. Thanks very much to Linda for talking to us for this episode and thank you for listening. Linda, thank you very much for, for talking to us. Uh, to, to begin with, can you tell us a bit about how you first became politically involved? And what led you into the uh, joining the Communist Party?
1: Well, I suppose what happened was uh, there were a fellow that lived on the street where my mother and sister lived. And uh, he recruited them into the Communist Party. And I had been reading, um, I think I'd been going down to church or something, I'd been looking for some kind of, you know, what way forward, <laughs> something different and... Uh, mm. And I, 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 they lent me a book called uh, The Case for Communism by a man called Willie Gallagher mm. from Glasgow. And I read the book and I thought, you know, it actually identified with a lot of the ideas in it. Um, I've since read it again and it's very different now, you know, because mm. it's, at that time Soviet Union was still there. But at that time I used to think if I heard there were Scottish people uh, who, were, who were standing in elections in the and they were communists. I, I used to think that they were Soviet Union, that were like, they were in, sort of coming into our country and they were alien type people, you know? But mm. I mean, really, to be quite honest, I've learned precious little at school about politics. Uh, even the Second World War, uh, we learned very little, you know, about fascism and things like that, even though our parents fought in it, you know? So mm. uh, so uh, basically I joined because my mother joined. That's that, and after reading that book, what I didn't realize is that my mother had been in the Communist Party in the nineteen oh, thirties. She collected for Spain, and uh, she collected for, uh, for for the hunger strike, uh, hunger marchers, should I say? And uh, we knew none of this. She separated from my dad uh, in the thirties, and uh, when she got back together myself and my sister uh were, were born and we knew none of the separation or the fact that she'd been politically active. But we have Paul Robeson's records. Yeah. She was very active on the shop floor. She worked in a in a cutlery factory, pronging folks, and very opposed to people like the Time and Motions men. And all these things fell into places whenever uh whenever she rejoined basically in 1967 that was two, two years before she died and my father were all that ready dead. I would think about thirteen when he when he died and so we really didn't know an awful lot about my parents, you know about uh, about the history, but we just learned that bit, and that's what encouraged me to be political active and I, so i used to I joined the party first and then I joined the uh, the young the young communist League what used go to their meetings on a on a Friday night that one the height of my excitement, you know.
0: So this would have been the the Communist Party uh, of Great Britain in mm-hmm. Sheffield. Uh, how, how long were you involved there prior to moving to Northern Ireland then?
1: Well, we, we were involved from 67 uh, to 69. We were involved yeah. on Vietnam demonstrations, the um, opposition to the trade union uh, laws that Barbara Castle would try to bring in, anti-apartheid movement, and I used to go to the Connolly Association meetings. Uh, actually, Tom remmond's brother—I um, can't remember his sick name now, but first name—Tom remmond's brother uh, did. Why I, I subsequently met Tom, he 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 did work for the Connolly Association and. and that's the first time I really we really heard much. I mean, I'd only been in the party a year or so, but mm-hmm. didn't really know very much about Ireland. Mm-hmm. Um, if somebody had told me that I needed a passport to go there, I might have believed them. You know, I mean, the people think like um, that. That sounds so ignorant, but, you know, I mean, I were maybe about nineteen or twenty at the time, and I, we just hadn't, we just didn't know anything. Mm-hmm. You know. And actually joining the Communist Party, when I lifted a big thing off my head, it made you conscious about a lot of different things. It made me conscious about the fact that I could learn more. I could go on. I did go on to university. and mm-hmm. uh, But before that, I just thought that you know everything would close down. And that, that's the where, where I were in terms of education.
2: So what prompted you to move to Northern Ireland then?
1: Well, again, my, my sister met up with somebody, a fellow called Barry Brun, and uh, came back came back to Belfast. And uh, I came to visit them, and, you know, and I really loved it here. And uh, I had separated from my husband. I got married at 18, or very young. And mm. I had two children, and mm. he was a backstead, <laughs> so oh. to the least. Mm. And uh, so I came over and visited her, and I was really jealous. You know, I mean, Sheffield's landlocked. Uh, you come over here, and you've got the sea and the and everything else, and I just loved it. We've all had always had that kind of Celtic twilight thing. My brother worked on the building sites so and the roads with Irishmen and, uh, and and Scottishmen, and would learn the songs and all everything, you know. And mm, sure. so there were nothing, uh, the the nothing at all that uh, I had any interest in staying in Sheffield for, it, except my mother, that is. And uh, to put the Irish Sea between me and the ex husband was just great, you know. So th- that's what we did, that's what I did. And we were coming over here in a way. We had a ready made family because we joined the Communist Party of Ireland,
3: mm.
1: well, it was Communist Party of Northern Ireland at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, although I have to say that there were some people, some maybe some fellows in particular, older men like that, looked upon two young women. With single women with with, uh, with children, you know, as maybe something like that where they had this kind of Presbyterian type of <laughs> culture at the time, you know, that what kind of people were there, but I think they learned to trust us after a while, you know. So yeah. <laughs>
0: did you find the culture in the Communist Party of Northern Ireland was different from having come from CPGB then or?
1: Um I think what you have to understand is that I don't want to be in the uh, Communist Party in, in Britain for a short period of time. Sure. So mm. it's very difficult. I, I loved it anyway. I mean, we went to, we went to uh, Young Communist League camps. So we took the kids there, you know, camping. And we were, we were all that kind of folk singing and everything else that went on and the political freedom that they were, you know, mm. they were like. So I, I really I did enjoy them kind of things. And um, when I come here, it was very different. They the culture in in Ireland itself, for example, talking about talking about politics often brought in paramilitary organisations, guns. We never seen policemen walking about with guns in in Sheffield. That didn't happen. And here mm. they were armed. You know, you also had the B specials, and mm. so all that kind of military background were were somewhat different, you know. We went some Vietnam demonstrations, and some of them could be violent. There's no else about that, and the police were. Mm -hmm. But growing up, it wasn't something that I experienced, Mm -hmm. you know. um, The police, there there were police houses at the bottom of our street, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, in like ordinary houses, not not fancy houses, you know, Mm -hmm. we were corporation houses, and uh, that although i couldn't say i know anybody like but it, 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 it were' different but different people had different experiences you know because if you were if you were living in a black area, if if you were uh, you know you could experience that racist from police and mm. anyway and i suppose there were slight somewhat more strict kind of viewpoints about things that might have been colored a wee bit with religion yeah
3: mm-hmm.
1: uh, from people's backgrounds I and mean, in a way that's that that was uh, not surprising. As Karl Marx says you do often reflect your background, you know. Yeah. But uh, I kind of felt that um, sometimes, you know, people—I uh, don't know—it's hard to say. Like yeah. what, what these people are dead now, you know. The the fellow, some of the older fellows that were in communist party. Yeah. We learnt to learn. We learnt a lot from will like right, and
2: you know. Yeah. You've been to the Connolly Association meetings prior to that, before mm-hmm. you went over. Did you have a sense, um, I mean, if you'd been to the Connolly Association, obviously you have a good sense of the complexity of the situation. Was that borne out by the time you arrived in the North?
1: Well, it was, you know. Um, I know, well, Margaret came here a year before me, you know. Mm-hmm. I came here in like, I came here in... in uh, early 69 just for a visit and then I came to live here in summer you know mm. And uh, but yeah I mean it was during that period of time that British Army were brought onto the streets you know mm-hmm. so again that was something I grew up with and uh, of course especially when we moved to Swimbrook
3: mm-hmm. things
1: got very heavy and we were very involved in civil rights association um, but uh, we used to sell the Unity's papers every week round the markets area. Actually, we did a town run as well around some pubs in town. And uh, we always finished up in a public markets area and, you know, we Republicans, basically. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, they, we, were, we were involved in Civil Rights Association in the street committees and again selling the civil rights papers around the houses.
3: Mm.
1: And uh, Obviously, going on demonstrations and things like that. So, mm. I wasn't on the bloody Sunday demonstration, but I did open the office up that day, the civil rights office, and the following week in Newry, we all went. Because I didn't go, I didn't go to to that uh, first one, mm. as bloody Sunday one, should I say? Because mm. of children, because it would so have been bigger and everything. And then,
3: yeah,
1: but we did go to the Newry one, and the people in Newry welcomed us with open arms. You know, it were. It was a really uh, massive demonstration and protest.
2: And in general, as communists, what was the response? I mean, like you, what you're indicating is the, the you actually got a good response. Actually, particularly in relation to civil rights. But I mean, if did you canvass or sell papers in in loyalist areas as well?
1: Well, they they were sold in loyalist areas. They were sold, for example, in Rathcoole. We had a branch in Rathcoole. And uh, and they were sold, you know. Different people sold them in in places of work and things like that, you know.
2: And the response was okay, or
1: well, it was, you know. Um, but the I think it 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 got worse as the situation got worse, you know. That yeah. you, we wouldn't have after a period of time. So, for example, we we wouldn't necessarily have felt comfortable going up the Shankill Road and. And, and again because of our activity at civil rights association but there were people who lived in the loyalist areas like that, that uh, carried on the work uh, mm. as things you know with their shop stewards and things like that you know and there were known as communists mm. you
2: yourself when you moved there you moved I think you said you started off initially in a no you started off in a nationalist area was it or initially and then you
3: moved to about, um or- no,
1: initially we lived in a, a, a Protestant a loyalist area yeah. for a short period and then moved to another one, which is Ballybeen, Um and lived there for, I don't know, maybe a year, and then we moved to, to, uh, to Over Road, and then to Uh so 17 years in Twimbroke. So, so the kids went, well, when we lived at Belgit, being children went to school there, or the ones that were uh, old enough went to school there, you know, and they were okay, you know, so.
3: Yeah.
2: Uh, How did you find being within the CP and, and obviously a rising level of violence as well? I mean, uh, you're kind of intimating a moment ago, like it got more and more difficult. To reach out in some ways, say to loyalist areas?
4: Well,
1: to some extent, like I always think living in Belfast was like living in a big prison, you know. Mm. So, really, you kind of forget a little bit about what it was like because you've got the British soldiers on the streets, the police. You've got the threat of the bullets and the the bombs at any time, you know, and there were a lot of city centre bombing. Then people forget as well that within the city centre, there were a complete ring, a security ring. So in order to actually get into the city centre, you had to go through these gates and you had to have your bag searched and everything. If you went into a shop, you had to, you know, get, had to be searched. And, and like sometimes, occasionally, if we went to England, we'd be going into a shop and we'd be opening us coats and us bags to be searched because we're <laughs> used to it, you know. Yeah. Uh, and uh, but as I said, of course, there was the city centre bombs or strategic bombs, if you like. And um, some restaurants that weren't strategic. And mm. then, for example, in, in Twinbrook, where we lived, uh, and, and in Loyalist areas, it wasn't just the question of Catholics being against Protestants. Within Twinbrook, you had, say, the, the Provis and the, work, the Workers' Party. I mean, and they had had uh, feuds. Been sh- pe- people had been shot dead in them, feuds between mm. each other. So that was a very bitter experience in Twinbrook. So, you didn't have a united, uh, and that was the same, same Turf Lodge and other nationalist mm-hmm. areas and in loyalist areas with the paramilitaries. But uh, I remember one particular morning, uh, my, my sister lived up at Twinbrook as well at the time, and then she moved from Ballybeen. And we were still, it was about half past eight, we were still washing dishes, and the, the, the kids had gone off to school and. Uh, they saw mighty bang, and there were a roof went flying up in the air. And it was the sticky club, the Workers' Party club. Roof went up, but it weren't the loyalists that had done it. It was one of the other nationalists paramilitaries that had blow it up, you know. So this is what you had: this kind of, you know, thing within working, mostly working class estates. Mm. Uh, we had these, and then we know that they were feuds. Yeah. In in loyalist areas as well, you know. So it wasn't it's not it wasn't just that you were dealing with one side against the other, which is quite often is is portrayed. Mm. That uh, the, all them kind of things. Like our, our kids were bust off their state school. They went to state schools, which are basically like Protestant schools, mm. because they because they weren't Catholics. And they the twinbrook they built these schools, but all the children were, were bussed off the schools initially because they hadn't built the schools in time. And by the time they did, the Protestants had moved and the Catholics had moved in their squatters. You know, they've got this, they reckon they were one of the biggest movements since the Second World War a, a population. And uh, by, the time, by the time they got the schools built, they were all Catholic schools then. They, weren't, they didn't have any Protestant schools. So our kids went to Dunmurray High, Dunmurray school, school and Suffolk Primary School. Uh, they were the nearest schools to us. And uh, they were called oranges when they were at home and, and Tigs when they were at school, you know. So they got the best of both worlds in a way, like, you know. But my son were, were a haemophiliac. And uh, whenever uh, he went to primary school, sometimes he might be in a wheelchair or on crutches because it hurts his legs. But it were, it were all looked after and we was okay at so Suffolk Primary School. And and they were used to him going. Mm. You know, they'd been used to him going right for, for a period of time. Then when they re- went to the Dunmurray uh, High School, the teachers were sort of saying, talking about like, him having brittle bones and things like that. And R- Russell were really pissed off where they treated him. And they wanted to t- send him to a special school. Mm. So... Um, I went down to see the headmaster, uh, uh, they call him Watson, John, I think John Watson, he were active in the civil rights movement. And I asked him, would he take Russell, you know, and he says, well, you know, the fact that he's haemophiliac uh, is not a problem, but the fact that he's not a Catholic might be, but they took him anyway. and, and <laughs> he, But he hated school. Anyway, he didn't yeah. like school. And, yeah. uh, but he went there. It was... It were closer for him to run home if he wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> so an anyway.
2: Thing. You mentioned you mentioned um, the officials and the provisionals. Did uh, the CP obviously would work, I presume mostly with the officials through NYCRA at the beginning and all, that seemed to have changed then as the seventies went on but in terms of the relationship with the republican movement or movements do you have any thoughts on that well
1: as i said we, when we sold them papers around the communities know, round around markets we used to mm. finish up in the black bull pub and they were most of the workers party people there and when did, we didn't sell them probably pubs We mm. only sold them in, stick, in sticky clubs mm. <laughs> pubs uh, and uh, we went we went to the for for drink afterwards with people, and they would be singing the songs and all. I remember Joe McCann very Joe McCam very well. I don't know if you've heard of Joe. Yeah, yeah. he was shot dead, and he was friend of ours in a way, you know. And uh, he uh, he would be standing up singing like he would consider himself a you know kind of Joe Hill or Guevara type person, you know. And uh, yeah. of course they were involved. They were involved as well, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I do remember on one occasion seeing a gun light tucked in his pocket, pocket, which is something you wouldn't normally see, That you know, they'd be more oh, down his trousers, down his trousers thing, you know. Singing, you know, in a pub, which was ridiculous. It's not normal. You wouldn't normally have seen anybody like that. But uh, we, we actually got involved in discussions with them and they come to our house when we lived on the McClaw Street, but it was the other end of McClaw Street, uh Cameron Street. It's all one street, but they have two different names for yeah. some reason. And we would have discussions with them about the military campaign, you know, mm. whether or not you should be involved in it, you know, and whether it should be more political and everything else like that, you know. So um, of course they they were committed still at that time to uh To you know, more military campaign things, yeah. And of course, shot got uh, he got shot dead. Joe. And uh, last time I saw him, were in Dundalk when he were on the run. Then you know, and right. So
2: yeah, he went back north again. Yeah.
1: Um, But funny enough, like this is how you know naive I would be that they always portrayed themselves as this kind of you know. uh, not exactly communist, but you know, that that kind of viewpoint. I I was I always thought to him as atheist. Mm. And I, I went when I saw him laid, laid out in his coffin, he'd got his these rosaries all wrapped up around his hands and everything, you know. And of course, I should have known that, that that's to expect to see that, you know, but yeah, still, I suppose I didn't.
3: Yeah,
2: you mentioned unity there, and how important was it to the party? In relation to the use of printed materials like Unity to spread the the word, as it were, I mean, you know, I mean, Unity is still going to this very day, uh, but the centrality of that to uh, to the political um, activism of party and party members, mm. how do how do you see that, or can it be over, you know, can it be overemphasized, or is it, you know,
1: no, I, I I think it is, you know, a political paper is a is an organizing thing, you know. Um, as well as being something that's going to give leads on on ideas, but you know if some events are coming up and things like that. But mm-hmm. no I think political paper is very important and uh, at, at, at that time there were a lot the younger people that were selling around the were the younger people that were selling around the pubs and the streets. But when we lived at Twinbrook we did three. We did three four sales we did. Mm. Not all on this, not all at once. Like we we moved it from different, but different places. We did a, a, a pub, we did two pubs at, at different times. We did a, yeah. a street sale, we did sticky club. Mm. We sell around sticky club and all, you know. So, um, not all four took place uh, continuously, but you know, I had to drop one occasionally and th- uh, for a while and things like that, you know. But I'll tell you, you know. It, I found maybe seventies were a time when they were very much appreciated. We used, to, we used to do a really good sale around markets, and you got you know a fair amount of discussion going on and change taking place. Uh, although it was a very violent time, and I found it in a way a little bit similar to the to the nineties after the ceasefires. You know where you got a lot of people talking and and uh, New ideas coming forward, and, and you know people working together on that. You know, so I, I kind of you find you find you get these stagnant times where nothing's happening, and then you find yeah. some a bit of movement taking place. You know,
2: you yourself were also you were involved in NICRA, um I imagine along with Betty Sinclair and people like that. But you'd also uh, a strong involvement in the Northern Ireland women's rights movement and have been instrumental in getting that up and running?
1: Um, well, we formed the Women's Rights Movement in 1975. And uh, I mean, it, it, it was a very ambitious idea to, to try and have a, a number of organisations that would bring in women, all women from different backgrounds, you know. Well, when I said different backgrounds, probably working class backgrounds, we did have affiliations and that were, you know, that were a determined effort to, to get to include working women. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and when I say working women, uh, uh, women from the trade union women as well as working class women that yeah. worked in the home unpaid. Yeah. Uh, but they, we did have the affiliations from uh, about... Trades Council, Post Office Engineering Union, uh, National Union of Public Employees, which which is now UNISON, um, AUW Uh and I'm not sure, I think NIPSRA as well, we had affiliations, you know, and I mean, it weren't, some, in a way that could be seen as a massive amount of support, but, oh, and Transport and General Workers Union, that mm-hmm. one, definitely. Uh, but it were supporting kind as well, you know, because they actually provided um like like they put letters a lot they will put letters through their franking machines for us and different right. things like that you know and for international women 's day events and stuff you know,
2: yeah, what about responses to it did you find um Obviously got people who were very keen to be involved. Did you find there was any pushback against it more broadly from the society? Um... Uh, Well,
1: we kind of, in a way, we were called a a women's rights movement, but it was an organisation. And um, over a period of years, I mean, it it actually did did some really good work in terms of research on uh, women in schools, girls in schools, women in media. Uh, Hairdressers apprentices and things like that, you know, exposing the the problems that they faced. Um, it wasn't a, it wasn't a large organisation, but it, it was we effective. And it actually, I, I donated my materials to the Lynn Hall Library in 1994, yeah. and they're just doing something called a project called Extraordinary Women, and it's all going to be digitalized, you know. Yeah. So, so th- th- that'll be available there for people that are doing research and they want if they want to know about it. Uh, we did initially there were a problem because we had an affiliation from trade unions mm-hmm. and women's aid who were part of the organisation or, you know, interested. They, they didn't particularly want to be involved because of the because it weren't a women only organisation. Because by having trade unions in, then it meant that men could come to events, which Mm. they invariably didn't anyway. Maybe we had concerts and we managed to get Peggy Seeger off her. I don't know Mm. if you know Peggy Seeger. Yeah. 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 Peggy and and actually her son came over. We had an all all, uh, women artists concert, but she insisted on bringing her son. (laughs) It would (laughs) build us all women artists, you know. We had somebody from Dublin, a woman called. uh, God, what's the name now? I can't remember her name. Three people from Sligo Catherine mm-hmm. McConville, uh, who works for RT Radio RT, Barbara mm-hmm. McGlynn, who uh, she's from Sligo, and Barbara, the only claim to fame I can say about Barbara is that her uh, cousin, you know, who were in Father Ted. Oh. Uh, <laughs> so, But Barbara, was a great singer, blues singer, she was really. Yeah in her own right, and of course there were Mary McFarland, who were from she's actually from Leitrim she was, she was an actress and a see, singer and she was with the Druid Theatre Company oh, yeah. not at that time but when they were on that particular concert and they um, the programme I had the programme and I got a number of them to sign it, including Peggy and that and that programme is in the Lindenhall the Library, along with a load of stuff and I did a blog on it, so it's, right, yeah. it's up for people to see, you know yeah, but yeah. um so so we had a number of concerts. we had concerts in the riches and social club, which were belonged to a, the I think union tr uh, General workers union we had them in Queen's university we had a markets uh, centre and we we kind of we did kind of work fairly well on international women's day and we affiliated to an anti-imperialist women's organization. They were based in Berlin, but they organised conferences and events Mm. throughout the world. And they used to pay for people like the South African and people from Chile. Uh, People who couldn't afford to go to the conference that they used to pay, and it was brilliant. And it was there that I... One of them conferences, I met Valentina Tereskova. I met uh, Angela Davis and invited Angela Davis to Belfast. I I I think they... Angela Davis' second visit, first and second visits are quite interesting. Mm. The first visit she did in 1994, and uh, she—I took her to the uh, Bellybean Women's Centre, which is in a loyalist area. It's yeah. not, uh, you know, yeah. so it's, it's so it helps it helps the women in that area, and uh, she was really well received there, you know. Mm. And then I took her to the Falls Women's Centre. And Bernadette Devlin were there, and I don't know if you know, but Bernadette visited Angela in yeah. prison when when Angela was in prison, you know. So, um, so she was very well received there. And uh, but I remember coming out of the uh, uh, out of the the, the Falls Women's Center, with a young woman. She worked for Republican News black. Mm. and Fallblatt, and I was saying that she that Angela had been up to uh, to Balabine, you know what the Protestant areas, says, don't you think that were a waste of time? Second there, I says, well, they were all really good. to see. I says, but really, if, if you think people are not interested, then uh, you know it's really a waste of time bringing to Falls if everybody are converted. to the, these politics, you know, they really is important to take people other yeah. places. You know, not keep them all in one area. You know, but yeah. anyway, she met a lot of people on that visit. But very, very relaxed kind of a visit. Yeah. Second times, when I mean, she come, were much more difficult um, for lots of different reasons. In terms of, you know, organising things. Mm. Uh, oh, interesting enough, she stayed in a small hotel near, not far from me, and in the morning she got up and she went down to this uh, leisure centre and they let her in early. Really? Like, yeah.
4: you
1: know? And it was, again, in a very loyalist area. Actually, where from, Major <laughs> Davidson come from? Uh, but anyway, she came here in 2017. Then, mm. and uh, I had been in touch with her like two years before, and she said they couldn't. She couldn't come, but uh, then, but she could come in 2017. I said, yes, well, I'm going to, Yeah, <laughs> and she did a brilliant meeting in the Belfast City Hall. Yeah. There were about 500 and odd people there, and then she did a meeting for the Communist Party and friends in a hotel of about 300. That was the maximum capacity.
3: Yeah.
1: And uh, we had some trade unionists and some people speaking and all, you know. And then she did a meeting for Queen's University, and there were over 700 people there. So it was really very successful kind of a thing. And I met Vinnie Burroughs, who maybe people wouldn't know her as well, but she's an actress, mm-hmm. political act- activist, and... Uh, she had a radio station in New York. She's a black woman, and she did some brilliant uh, plays. And she came here. She came here twice, mm. and uh, she was also the representative of the United Nations for the Women, Women's International Democratic Federation,
3: oh, yeah.
1: which, if you like, was a it, it, an anti-imperialist organization. People could say, well, it was based in East Berlin, based on Unter den Linden in the GDR mm. uh, but it had uh, you know organizations throughout the world not all of them were communist at all they in fact they preferred broad organizations the women's right, rights movement maybe wouldn't cons- be considered a, a massive or a big broad organization but it did get support from the trade unions and different things you know mm. um, and who did I? I, re- I met Ruth Nettle I don't know if you would mm-hmm. know Ruth Nettle she were Again, you always sort of. She's from, she went from Angola yeah, and she did yeah, a lot of work at, through the like, um, what the South African uh, Pan African Congress. Yeah. Uh, and she came to Belfast. Oh. She was, a, a brother president in Angola, met um, some Vilma Espin from Cuba. Vilma, he also related to people like Vilma. Wilma were one of the Castro's, she was married to one of the Castros, Perhaps. to uh, Raul Castro. Yeah. Uh, so um, the, I actually met the leader of the African National Congress, women's National section of African National Congress. Now we're in Prague with her, and she was actually a knight in exile at that time. Mm. And we were staying in this big hotel, and they gave us these. Uh, give us these vouchers for food but they said if you don't spend it all on food then you can uh go and buy some nice Czechoslovakian glasses or something nice from the tourist shop you know so uh she said she said glasses are for people who have houses they said South Africa, she were all, she were in exile you see you know mm-hmm. <laughs> what would she be doing with glasses to put them up on the thing somewhere you know she <laughs> kind of thought that was a wonderful thing yeah. But anyway, so in nine, I think in 19, maybe jumping a bit here, but in 1987, Mm -hmm. we took over 40 women. The women's rights were organised, a delegation of over 40 women from Cork, Dublin, Derry. Uh, Belfast, from loyalist uh, uh, women's centre, Bellybean Women's Centre, which is not loyalist, it's a women's centre in a loyalist mm-hmm. area, mm-hmm. and uh, from uh, all of a trade unionists, I- Ines McCormack, I don't know if you heard of Ines. Yeah, you, yeah,
3: yeah.
1: and on. other other members of a uh, trade union, uh, so and they were trade unionists from the from the south of Ireland. Mm-hmm. We took them as a mouth score to the World Congress of Women in '87. And it was great, like, cause things seem to be opening up quite a lot. We even went into people's houses and that, you know.
3: Yeah.
1: And uh, then it all collapsed, you know. And this was a lot a disappointment. But I mean, you could that were a massive delegation. I can't imagine uh, any any anti-imperialist or, uh, uh, group going from Ireland at uh, that size. We also had with with us. Two women who were responsible for organising the campaign against plastic bullets, right. uh, Claire, Claire O'Reilly and Emma, Emma Groves. Emma was blinded by a, a rubber bullet in the early seventies, and they set up this organisation against plastic bullets. And uh, they then they they they, uh, they set up the campaign, you know. And in, in Moscow, they gave evidence to a human rights committee there, you know. So. Mm-hmm. So I have a fantastic photograph of that, which was t- took in Moscow, you know, and I just think anyway, we're an achievement that we did, but we did a lot yeah. of other things, you know, research. And But of course you had the divisions. I mean, let's face it, we had in within the Women's Rights Movement, I mean, you had people, that a minister's wife were involved, you had people who were, were lecturer, you had people who were trade unionists, mm. communists at Workers' Party. Mm. There's no way you would have got the Workers' Party work in an organisation was Sinn Féin,
3: mm.
1: you know, we, and because of the, the, the divisions have been such. Mm. And uh, so you had that kind of isolation. Mm. And in a way, we, we, we set up the first women's centre in Belfast. And the idea were again, in the city centre, not in any community, but to try and draw in women, you know, all, all together, and it's kind of ambitious and all that. And it's not reformist to want to, to unite people. In my view, that's the one of the ways that we have to work, is to engage with people, you know. Mm, mm. Uh, but around about 79, Sh- Sinn Féin started organising the the buses to Armour Prison on strip searching. Mm. And these became International Women's Day events. So you've got women coming over from England.
3: Yeah,
1: uh, feminists coming up from England and uh, finding themselves on buses. Quite, quite a lot of fellows that were in shame Féin, you know, and uh, so. The, but you didn't know where would you have got the uh, Workers' Party going on these things, you know. So we would have been in of town doing things. Yeah, uh, and not going to our mall. Not that we didn't support the, the demands of strip search, and in fact, mm. uh, I um, in nineteen eighty three. I proposed a motion at Belfast Trades Council in opposition to all strip searching because the Republican one were really for Republican prisoners,
3: mm-hmm.
1: not for all prisoners. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it, were, it was, put, it was seconded by a, a woman from the, uh, Transport General Workers Union. She worked in a, a, the cigarette factory, um, on York's, on York road. And, uh, we we then took it into ICTU. I remember because that was 1984 and what, what's the name? Anne Scardle were on the platform and it was mm. to do with the minor strike at the same yeah. time yeah. as we and we moved this motion and it was passed. Yeah. So we took it into all the, the, the trade unions for it all to open it up. But yeah. within the women's rights movement we weren't they weren't gonna go to our Mar prison to do it. You know what I mean? Because yeah. that would have been seen as supporting Sinn Féin and Provis yeah. and what have you.
3: Yeah.
1: Quite apart from that, um, you know, there were just them, them problems of the, uh, between the Republican movement, you know? Yeah. yeah. They, said, they said the Republican movement's always been split, but then I think that's uh, apparent with a lot of organisations. <laughs> so, <Yes. Yeah>.
2: so. <laughs> not just the Republican movement. Yeah. Mm.
1: Um, you, you also were commissioner
2: in the Equal Opportunities Commission representing ICTU in the uh, 80s and 90s.
1: Oh, yeah. I, I, I were on the Equal Opportunities Commission for a longer period. only supposed to be in about three or four years. Right. But because there were a lot of people leaving at the one time, they asked me if I'd stay on longer. So I were on, I think, twice the, the amount of time. Mm. Actually, I were on, the t- I were on when... Uh, there were a fellow uh, Haybeck who were involved with the bus services, and uh, he were, he he actually resigned because there were a big case of the IUC uh, women, mm. part time IUC women, and they wanted to set their an equal pay case because they they'd been made redundant before some of the fellows. But they were, it was said that they couldn't do that because it was a security issue. And in the, under the equal, equal legislation, equality legislation, secu- you can't take issues on under security questions. Okay. So they had to take their case to the European Court of Human Rights. And they won the right to take the case then in Northern Ireland, you see. And uh, it all cost a lot of money because the British government were part of it, part of trying to oppose it, mm. and they won the case. They won yeah. that case, and of course, uh, uh, what happened then? They had, the the RUC had to take on board a whole lot of equality issues. Uh, but the, but Heubeck then uh, and the, and the RUC then said that they wanted to make they wanted the Equal Opportunities Commission to put forward the idea. The police women had to carry guns, right. and the and the EOC said that's not our job, hmm. no way, Jose, no. And uh, he he resigned over that, however, you know. But uh, there were quite a lot of interesting stuff going on then. And now it's the equality commission, and the equality commission does age, gender, sex. Um, it, Religion, all the all them things now. Whereas when it were Equal Opportunities Commission, it were, it were just it would it would just sex sex discrimination.
3: Yeah,
1: could be a man, it could be a woman, but mostly it were women, mm. and they did a lot more. I thought they did a lot more intense work in terms of research and all the events. They were more focused, you know.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: But yeah, um, well, it were we're an interesting time. Uh, on the yeah. on
2: the EOC, you know. An awful lot of your work has been focused on unions, on women's rights, uh, unions, and so forth. But you were also moving into education as well. Well,
1: as a mature student, and the communist yeah. party spurred me into it to realise that yeah. I could. You know, I I did had uh, basic courses in all levels, A levels, and then went to university, and mm. I got a job part-time and then I got full time and I for something like 16 years I taught apprentices Mm. and it was like hard work like because they'd be said, well what's this got to do with plumbing? You know, you'd be doing sort of um, general studies and things like that. And I also taught YCP, which youth training program and that's really you know some of that work were bad like I mean if they were doing it for the GPO uh, they they could possibly get a job out of it, but some of them were in training centers, and all they were doing is just keeping them, housing them in these places, keeping them busy.
3: Yeah,
1: and it were not easy. But anyway, I mean, I, I sort of, I, I managed, and I think I managed because I come from a working class background, you know. And mm. there's a lot, absolutely, lot of stories to be told there, you know. There's a book to be mm. written there and <laughs> a lot of things but um, then I, I, in uh, 1993 they brought the it's already in Belfast Tech or it's called Belfast Metropolitan College now mm-hmm. they brought in the women's studies and uh, so I you know, really got involved there, that that was really great to be involved in that you know. one of the first classes that we had there's, there's a woman now she's been involved with the victims money you know she were she were in a bomb and uh, she's been helping to lead that campaign. She lost her legs, you know, and she was one of the first people that graduated from our women's studies course. Okay. First, we were at the Ulster University, and then we were at the uh, Queen's University. Mm. So it was great because we had a lot of sort of freedom, and in a way, it come in '93. It come when things started to be opening up a bit, you know, and um, we could address things more, but. You know, still people have their idea about what women's studies is. They have this mm. kind of thing about it with sort of anti-men of feminist and, the, you know, lesbian. Yeah. And, I mean, all them things can be all right, like, you know, but in actual fact, it's a lot lot broader that, than that. Yeah. It's theoretical, it's research, and it's practical, you know. And uh, I, I worked in the uh, Shankill Women's Centre, uh, um, Paul Glass Women's Centre, which was you know, Republican area. Mm. I also went to Bellamina Women's Aid Centre and another another one uh, out in Amsterdam. And then we had them all in, in, also in the city centre. So the first-year classes might be held in the community, and we also had a first-year class in college. But the second-year classes, they were all brought together, you know, and so they were... There were more modules to be offered if we had more people like that, you know. But we had people like Don Purvis. I don't know if you I know, know Dawn. PUP she, or former PUP. Yeah. Uh, she was leader, former leader at PUP. Yeah. And, uh, Claire Bailey, who was the leader oh, yeah. of the Green yeah. Party. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We had uh, Rita O'Hare's daughter. Rita runs the office in New York. And one of the... A cousin of the... Pri- Price sisters, ours,
3: uh,
1: and, yeah. uh, and 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 a lot of women. There were practically all, all all working class women. You know, mm-hmm. we had a woman who was uh, involved with, with the UDA. Well, she says she was never a member at UDA. You can see there's an interview of her on uh, a web a web page that we did yeah. called uh, a Century of Women. Mm-hmm. Um, Hester Dunn. And Esther, like me and Esther would have been in totally different camps in the 70s. Mm-hmm. She actually did, she worked worked in the UDA office, but she said she weren't in the UDA as so, such. And of course, I went to the Communist Party. We would have been like that. Totally, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. But we'd become friends and we actually went down. I I drove her down to uh to Dublin to a women's conference there. And she met uh, Mary Robinson, you know. <laughs> and uh she's she says herself on you know, the interview, you know, that in a in early days, in nineteen sixties and seventies, she, she couldn't believe that people didn't have one person, one vote, And how wrong it were that everybody should be supporting it, you know. Mm. And also another woman uh, who was married to a unionist councillor, so uh, Joyce says she she were in the course, you know. Mm. So, but there were lots of lots of women from different backgrounds on that, and they were brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, we made great friends with me for the most part, you know. And uh, they helped to run international Women's Day events for me in the college, uh, and for for the for the, uh, for the actual uh, millennium, you know. And uh, so it were it were it were good nights like, to have things meeting together that were that were my interests.
0: It sounds like it was quite successful in terms of outreach and getting a good sort of. Uh represented a sort of spread of people involved then in. i take it that was by design at the outset was it
1: yeah well, well part of the college there were a section of the college it was a rupert stanley college mm-hmm. i did have a very much a community outreach uh, thing to it you know mm-hmm. but i mean i, I suppose like because i had been involved in the first women's center that were opened it was you know good All you know to be able to do that i'd also actually uh, put forward a project for a Uh, a women's course that we got European funding for for uh, non-traditional training Mm, you know in terms of sort of doing things like engineering and woodwork and we're only a taste of course and we got funding for that and I were involved in that Mm. Uh, that, but that actually was uh, it's a bad time for me because my son got very ill and subsequently died you know so it's kind of we're only a one-year project anyway but still I, I mean, I've been all involved in, in doing things like that. So yeah, we we were we were proactive in in, in taking it into the community, and uh, but it was an academic course as well, you know. But, but maybe with me involved, it was less academic. I mean, I don't know. We went to we went to uh, I thought practical things were good. We went to Navan Fort, we went to the uh, Kilmainham Jail, or we went to the New Grange, mm. you know, New Grange. Mm. Uh, we went to BBC. We, we had journalists coming in for a media project and things like that, you know. So, yeah, yeah, it were it were it had to be academic up to a point for, because people were going into law, they were going into uh, social sciences and things like that. Quite a few people at one point in time went into nursing. Mm. Uh, but still, I think practical things are... Are, are a good way of learning as well. It
2: it seems very clear that your politics inflected all this, you know, your union activity, this, edu- this approach to education. I mean, you're saying there about practical practical education. This seems to me to be very much inflected by progressive or communist politics as well. And would you, would you tend to agree, you know, because you, you're, you're linked into a broader movement internationally and what have you with attitudes towards work and towards education. And, and how much of that came through, do you think?
1: Mm, I'm not sure, because to be honest, I always felt very conscious of the fact that, that I'm a communist. Mm. And for a period of time, like I had to teach sociology, and I hated the sociology books. You had to use set books. And I just mm-hmm. totally disagreed with what I was saying, yeah. you know. And I felt that if it was somebody else that could be far more... Outspoken on it, you mm. <laughs> know what I would be, oh, yeah. you point, know, yeah. putting forward yeah. and being <laughs> objective or subjective. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, with the women's studies, it was different because we designed our own modules. Mm. I mean, they had, they were overlooked by the universities and mm. that, you know. But still, we, we were able to do that, you know. Mm. But um, mm. and, and I, I did I did feel that you know yeah. the that conscious part, and I also I always felt. A great responsibility because, um, you know, people say, "You really help me and things like that." They help themselves. They did. I always said they had to have their own responsibility, their own discipline in terms of learning that there are not empty vessels yeah. that we would, you know, fill yeah. up with. That they have to yeah. take it on board themselves, you know, mm. and uh, be very critical, have critical analysis and things like that. But mm. you just feel it—a big responsibility. Um, yeah. For people's education, you know, but some of them were better educated than me when when I, far better when I left school, they weren't, but you know, they obviously wanted to uh, get on to the next stage, you know, but yeah. we never did any A levels or O levels or any, any higher qualifications.
2: You haven't done too badly, though. <laughs>
1: I know, but it's it's struggling. There's many a time that I remember mean, sitting as a grinding wheel and teaching. I mean, really? you felt you, yes. felt you had to read all the time. Yeah. You couldn't read anything, you know, that you might like to uh, for fun, relax and read. You had to read and, and yeah. remember these things, and and we yeah. I mean, were always the I used to be terrified at first, writing on the blackboard, and we, in case I spelt things wrong, you know, because yeah. that was <laughs> it, just, it just did
2: you've been a long time c p member you were um your natural national chair of the c p i uh from two thousand
4: six to twenty
2: seventeen. that mm-hmm. reason. yeah um but you were also involved in northern Ireland women's coalition in the, in the late nineties and you actually even stood for, uh, for a for local election for them on the Shankill road i mean would you like to talk a bit about that maybe
1: well in fact whenever the uh peace talks come about. John Major made the decision that 10 parties could stand. And uh, I were one that took out the women's rights movement, the headings and sent a paper around saying, uh, look, women have been involved in local communities doing things. What if we want to stand in elections? Mm. And I sent this round and complained about it. And so did some other women that have been involved. And that's how the Women's Coalition that came to be formed. So in, in the first instance, we stood in the Peace Talks elections. So I were one of five people in North Belfast that stood for them. And that helped to get Pearl Segar and Monica McWilliams elected to the to the Peace Talks. And if they hadn't have been, they wouldn't, there wouldn't have been any women around that Peace Talks table, you know. But the, some of the experiences that they had from the not just the men, but the women and all were pretty rough. Really? But they, but they, then, yeah, I stood on the shankle and, uh, uh, I, I wasn't the last, like, I didn't, I didn't get that many votes, but I went not the final, one. partial representative, about the third. I were there were two that were knocked out before I were, you know, but I mean, yeah. I didn't live on the shankle. Yeah. Although I, people would have known me from teaching there. And, uh, they would have known me as a communist as well, you know, so they the Women's Coalition was a coalition. Mm-hmm. But still, it was, just, it was a campaign that we ran and uh, it was experienced, you know. So the Women's Coalition actually really worked hard, sort of formulating policies and pulling things together, you know. Mm. And like... the, the the, 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 as I said before at that time it was a time when there were a lot of discussion going on and we went round communities selling the Good Friday agreement you know before the 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 actual uh, vote took place on it. and people can say what they want about the uh, Good Friday agreement. I mean there were, there were, the, the, it wasn't uh, everything but it, it's it was something to base your work on for that period of time. It was um, it had it, it had potential. I mean, what you've had, like you know, it's like putting a herding in, in charge of mother care because what you've had is the DUP. who and, and we we're, we're opposed to it anyway. So they've had them in, in charge, you know, and everything they've been doing. And uh, I think Sinn Fein, but I mean, they, they were they were, were committed to it to some extent. But then again, I mean, they there were things happened where the uh, storm were uh, paroled and things like mm-hmm. that, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's a question, of, I, I think, you know, how we go forward. And it just seems to me that the people are so uh, entrenched still, really entrenched. I mean, I think Women's Coalition did well to... To get where they were, you yeah, know, yeah. but then things, they just moved back again. Mm. It's kind of moved back to the the old thing, Sinn Sinn Fein and the UP. Although it, you have to remember that Sinn Fein were not in the local councils. They weren't even in the Dail at one time, you know. So, mm. so that were you know, political differences. That that's, political change that took place, and now in the local council. Uh, the unionists are not in the majority like they used to be. Mm. I don't know what I can tell you about women's coalition, except that we did work hard, you know, and uh, I think they, they lasted 10 years. Yeah. And the Civil Rights Association lasted 10 years as well. Mm. And they're completely different organizations, um, different objectives, you know, but yeah. they did a job of work, you know, and I think I think that were they're important. I, I, I do think that when people talk about women uh, politicians, that there's has to, there has to be caution. You know, mm. there's no alternative between the some of the politicians. When you think about the American Clinton and uh, Trump, yeah, people would have said if 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 I have to say this, if Clinton had won, there would have been an holy roar all around the world because she were a woman. You know. Mm. And like, I can't say that I would have wouldn't have wanted her to win, mm. you know. But at the same time, I I just I, I feared that the you know the, you just electing women to positions is not a progressive thing. Mm. I mean, you only have to look at Maggie Thatcher for that, you know. Yeah. But there is this idea that if it's a woman, you know, if, if it's a woman, then you know that's it, end of yeah. story, you know. I mean, some of them women are real bloody warmongers and all, you know, and it's just like. You'd rather have a man that's not a war up longer, you know. It has to
2: be the content of their politics, doesn't it? Really. Yeah. If, if if there's no content, then you're not necessarily any better off. But I, I think the NIWC is a really interesting organisation for the reasons you state. It's it's and that you, you that you exemplify it. it
1: of course, there it, were a number a number of them or uh, leaders of the Women's Coalition who were in Communist Party.
3: Mm-hmm. They, they
1: left in the early nineties whenever. Uh, soviet union collapsed because they thought they could go out and do things better on their own you know
3: so Mm.
2: the cpi obviously an all-island party was there a degree of movement say from south to the north in terms of members coming up to assist each other uh, on campaigns and so on and so forth how did that work well, there the would have how been, does that work over the years
1: there, there were uh there, there there has been yeah for different uh de- demonstrations like for example water campaign mm-hmm. a number of us went down uh, we would have went down with the trade council for the. we would have gone down for the uh campaign for the yes campaign you know from mm-hmm. the abortion in fact I think that the women's movement on that on these issues have been one of the most all island progressive issues, and, you know, I mean, people might have criticism, but I think they've be, been able to do that if yeah. they were able to transfer the amount of energy and people that took place in these demonstrations of that to transfer it to other more progre- other progressive things, yeah. not so not more progressive things that is a, that is progressive what they were yeah. doing, what we were doing, but to other progressive issues to, to a movement. I mean, that'd be brilliant, you know. But, um, yeah, we did, of course. Move up and down, and uh, obviously there will be meetings and things like that. Mm. The international brigades, the the, the question of uh, as I mentioned, my mother were involved in Spanish eight mm. and uh, the the international brigade commemoration committee were founded around about uh, 2006, mm. and Mich- Michael O'Riordan or Michael O'Riordan he came to Belfast, the Lindenhall Library, and. Along with the Belfast Trades Council, uh, we formed the that the International Liberation Committee, mm. and it's really been formed to try to promote education and to, to get kind of uh, uh, memorials and things like that. Mm. Uh, or, you know, mm-hmm. and we've done a pretty good job of work, really. Mm-hmm. Although it's been a small organisation, but if I think, and nevertheless, it's, it's not. Uh, It's all Ireland in its intent to encourage people to come to the events, but we don't have a membership as such. We don't have a structure like that. Mm. We do get grants from people from now and again if we're organising an event. Now, every year since around about two we've took part in the Philan Fourville, the People's Festival in West Belfast. But we've had our events in the Shankill Library, Shankill Road. And we uh, we have uh, in, in August and we've had different people speaking on different t- topics, you know, uh, to, do with this, to do with the international brigade. We've had people come in who like two, two brothers whose uncle or great uncle were involved in Spain and from, from Shankill. And we put a plaque up uh, on the Shankill uh, library in 2014. We had an annual general meeting there. And a, f- a few of the relatives come, and they're named on it because they helped to un- unveil it. McGrath, I think, the, the uncle was. So that was one plaque. But the very first thing that we did, we put a plaque up in the John Hewitt Bar in Donegal Street.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, uh, Bob Doyle un- un- unveiled that plaque, you know. Mm-hmm. And then we put a-, a memorial up in Writers Square, and Bob Doyle, Jack Jones, and Jackie Edwards unveiled that. That would have been 2007. Mm. We unveiled it twice because the first time we didn't have proper plan, planning commission. <laughs> so they, they, they unveiled it twice. But <laughs> Bob and Jackie were there for, for both times. It's quite um, an
0: achievement to get that in, Ryder right Square. You know,
1: we we love public it. And private we, place, but, yeah. but One of the problems is that they're, they're, they're re, re, uh, doing all that area. They're knocking a lot of buildings down that are derelict. There were a big fire in the in a, an arcade there and it's never been rebuilt yeah, yeah. and that's writer square is quite big and they want to close down that to, to use of it as more building space and we don't know what's going to happen to that because what they've said is the builders have said that they're committing themselves to things that the council have put up we're coming to, like like I think there's some squares with stones on with writers names on that you know mm. on the pavement things like that. But we put that up. The council didn't put it up. So th- then they, we've got to write to them and find out are they mm-hmm. going to commit themselves to it? So th- that were one there. And then we we also, did you see the window in the Belfast City Hall? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we got that. That, that cost the city council um, £25,000. And we worked with them on that. And we got it. We're um, a dairy company. Alpha, Alpha Windows, and, and they did a brilliant job, you know.
3: Yeah.
1: And so we we're very pleased about that. And it was um, the daughter of a, uh, of one of the brigaders that unveiled it, uh, um, Boyd. I can't remember the first name now. But the, uh, Andy Irvine sang that in the evening. It was a brilliant event when we did the unveiling, you know, and it was great that, you know, people got together and that, uh, that there were no opposition to it, like from any other unionists and things like that. So, yeah. so that is we've had. So we've had these. We had, have. Our, we used to have our annual general meetings in the Falls Library, mm. and we have the Philamformal event in the Shankill Library. Mm. But Jackie Redpath from Shankill asked us to do something for the Winter Festival, mm. so we did an event for them, and we had a woman from America, a woman from Germany uh Manus mm. from Dublin um and, and a number of us did different things that you know and, and we had that event in Shankill in with Winter Festival, and we've had events in uh, local hotels and things like that you know so it's just really trying to keep the um uh, the, the thing alive but this uh Covid's been a problem. The fellow that we had lined up for at Shankill Library last year, they wanted to do his own meeting, so we didn't do it, you know. <laughs> so right. anyway, it's kind of, um, you know, it was something that we we directed our, our uh, efforts into, because I'm retired from work now as such, yeah. like, you know, but we, we put a fair bit of effort into that, you know.
2: Yeah, it's great to keep it alive, as you say, and to yeah. keep, you know, now more than ever... Given the way the world is, mm-hmm. the memory of the Spanish Civil War and the struggle there and the brigades.
1: I'm just actually working on a book at the minute for Reclaim okay. the Agenda. It's an organisation that has managed to do, you know, um, sort of do a lot of work on different issues like childcare and mm-hmm. abortion and that. And it was formed initially. In 2010 to mark the hundredth anniversary the following year of international Women's year right. uh, International Women's Day at the centenary mm. and we've got a mural put up in two thousand eleven and we've got women we've got a winner as well now in the city Hall but, uh, <laughs> so all these I'm hoping that all these pictures are going to go in it's a photographic book you know, and it's just like looking at the decade. It initially started off for International Women's Day, but then it's carried on to be a campaigning organisation and managed to include people you know across the divide and everything. And so, um, how,
2: how soon will it be published, the book?
1: Well, it, it depends. It's it's been worked on this year and it was thrown together to try and get a grant quick, mm. and which means that he, we've still got a lot of work to do for it now. Yeah. So, uh, just, just to put things like. To make sure that everything's in in place properly, so yeah. I'm hoping this year sometime. You know, it, it could That'd be hard, be but I
2: have yeah. to wait and see.
1: <laughs> and hopefully,
2: yeah. COVID will be finished by, or at least will be suppressed. Back, you can have a proper opening for it. And, uh,
1: well, this is it, yeah. You know. possibly September. You know, oh, that's might... great. Yeah, I think you mentioned that I had some published publications, and mm. one was about Madge Davis, and I don't know if you know anything about Madge. But you should kind of Google her. She's, she was from Pittsburgh Street, it was a very loyalist area. Mm. She joined the Communist Party when she was young and she ran the Civil Rights Office.
3: Right.
1: She was the one that organised the Bloody Sunday March and she also um, organised the, the memorial to go up to them in 1970. It was seventy four, I think, yeah.
3: Mm. In fact,
1: I remember her saying that the first one, we're going to be South African granite, and she wouldn't have it, you know. So, the first memorial thing. But anyway, so, so that that book, I, I just got a lot of people who knew her, and uh, they they've uh, written about her. It's, it's not it's, it's a booklet actually, you know. I, practically everything that I've done a booklets because I've not gone into the big style book, you know. Yeah. But I did I did one uh, edited one with uh, it. we about. Padre O'Donnell and it's called Padre O'Donnell's Legacy and Donald Donnelly has uh, uh, d- done quite a bit in it. I organised a meeting in Crumlin Road Prison
4: yeah. about
1: two years ago and he spoke about, uh, sorry da- Padre Donnell. He, he In 1959 he escaped from Crumlin Road Prison he, he got put in you know yeah. and we thought it'd be a great idea to have the meeting there. <laughs> Yeah, cause it's, it's that kind of center. <laughs> and so there were other people there. There were people like there were a warden there that he knew. Um, and uh, so, uh, and there was, uh, th- there were people from like Tom McKerny I don't know if you know Tommy, yeah. Yet, okay. And different different people anyway. So And they were Linda, you know, Linda Irvine. Oh, Linda, of she does runs the, the project for the Irish yeah. language. Yeah. And so there were these people and I, when Donald wrote the, he wrote it out for me, a speech that he'd done. I thought it'd be a good idea to get other people to contribute it. And, and they did do so. It's a small book. Oh, and I got another book, one I did myself called uh, Living in an Armed Patriarchy. And it's about, basically about women's movements here, you know. Mm. Uh, and then I did, I've done a few pieces of research and things like that. But um, that this one probably... Breaking the Chains, it says. It's, it's Connolly's That's Writings crazy. on Women. And that, there were uh, several of us put that together for Connolly's Writings, you know. So a few bits and pieces there and articles.
2: That's great. And it's a really widespread spread as well. Like, I mean, it's, it's you know, there's community in there and there's activism and, mm. and Connolly. I mean, you can't go wrong.
4: I know.
2: It's fantastic. Linda, thanks a million for being so generous Um, with your time. You're welcome. Really great.